Yes, it would feel good to be free. That was George Michael off of the album Older with Free. You are listening to Lavender Hill here on KZUM Lincoln, KZUM HD 89.3 on the FM or online at KZUM.org. Or perhaps you're using your handy-dandy smarter-than-a-calculator device and listening to us on your favorite mobile listening app like TuneIn or Next Radio. I've even heard that some of you out there listen using your Amazon Alexa. Way to go there. Or you could be listening up to two weeks after original broadcast date thanks to the KZUM archives, which can be found online at www.kzum.org archives. Now, I want to remind you all, even though you've been listening for some of you, maybe for over 11 years now, this is a news commentary program. If you want to hear the news itself here on KZUM, then tune in Saturdays to the KZUM News Show with Amantha, our news director here at your community's radio station. That being said, I'm going to give you my point of view on a couple of articles. Well, I've got a hand, well, almost a double handful of articles here for you that I'd like to try to get to. No guarantees on that. Um, from Nick Austin over at LGBTQNation.com, uh, an article published on Saturday, yesterday, July 2nd, 2022. The headline reads, Anti-LGBTQ discrimination on the rise as attacks on the community increase. Um, GLAAD released an alarming report on Wednesday about LGBTQ Americans who feel they still face discrimination in their daily lives. Seven out of ten LGBTQ Americans, as that 70%, state they face discrimination when interacting with their local community. This is up 11% from GLAAD's report last year. During a year with an anti uh, transgender sports and bathroom bills uh, sweeping the nation, along with bills such as Florida's Don't Say Gay, it's hard to argue with these statistics. Right now, LGBTQ people are facing some of the worst discrimination in recent history, and unfortunately, this representation is spilling over into how the public views the community. Pardon me here. Computer's getting a little weird. Not exactly interfering, but just getting a little weird. I don't know what it's doing. Yeah, I'll get it figured out here. Uh, so let's see here. Sarah Kate Ellis, GLAD's president and CEO, issued a statement on Wednesday regarding the findings. She found the statistics distressing, but not surprising. Uh, legislation targeting LGBTQ people and youth, including censorship in classrooms, book bans, bans on evidence-based health care and access to school sports, has ballooned since 2020 to nearly 250 bills introduced in state houses across the nation, Ellis said. Uh, Ellis also mentioned anti-LGBTQ legislation like Florida's Don't Say Gay bill that prohibits students and teachers to discuss sexual orientation and gender identity in schools. These bills decrease LGBTQ representation and opponents argue that they give a blanket statement to people across the nation that LGBTQ people are second-class citizens due to misinformation and lack of support. 
Uh, when looking at the subgroups of LGBTQ people, there are some parts of the community that face more discrimination than others. More than half of transgender and non-binary people face harsher discrimination and feel less safe in their neighborhoods and communities versus 36% of other LGBTQ people. LGBTQ people of color also face higher rates of discrimination compared to their white peers. These individuals felt that they were discriminated against not only because of their race, but also because of their sexuality or gender identity. And don't forget, people, that there is a higher instance of intolerance and discrimination within those intersectional communities because of the chronic backlash from white America. Okay, so... Still trying to figure out exactly what this computer is trying to do to me here. There we go. Got that cleared off, whatever it was. Some some tab opened up and wouldn't go away. Wouldn't let me open up what was behind it or anything like that. But there we go. All righty. Well, I'm going to be trying to post the uh, article links from today's uh, broadcast to the Facebook page for Lavender Hill. So I hope you uh, get a chance to check those out and read those articles in more detail. Uh, and, of course, follow the links. There is a link in this one that I was just talking about right there at the beginning of the article, an embedded link for the actual report from GLAD, so you can read more about it yourself. Uh, now, keeping with discrimination and keeping with statistics, eh, I guess, uh, another article from Nick Austin, also from uh, Saturday, July 2nd, 2022, on LGBTQNation.com. Over half of Republicans believe that parents of trans kids should be investigated for child abuse. Yeah, you heard that right. Over half of Republicans, at least those that responded to a study survey. 72% of Republicans agree that it should be illegal for healthcare professionals to aid gender transition for individuals younger than 18. Only 26% of Democrats feel the same way. And please remember, these are not procedures that are irreversible. Anyways, uh, this week, uh, Pew Research Center, the Washington, D.C. think tank that provides studies on public opinion, came out with alarming statistics, according to the article here, about how Americans feel about gender identity and transgender issues. The most alarming statistics have to deal with policies that have been affected by anti-transgender laws that have been making their way across the country. In fact... 59% of Republicans believe that parents of transgender youth should be investigated for child abuse if they help someone younger than 18 receive medical care for gender transition. Only 17% of Democrats feel the same way. I know that seems to contradict the subheading, but there's more details. Uh, although the most alarming statistic from Pew's analysis details investigating parents who aid their children with gender transition, it is not the only public issue where Republicans stick to their party's anti-LGBTQ mission. Another issue that was polled was whether it should be illegal for health care professionals to provide someone younger than 18 with medical care for a gender transition. That's where the 72% of Republicans and 26% of Democrats comes in. There have been, been 25 bills proposed this year alone that target health care for transgender youths. When polled, 85% of Americans who identified as Republican or lean Republican believe that the country should require transgender athletes to compete on teams that match the sex they were assigned at birth. 
that falls right in line with the amount of anti-transgender bills that have been put into law this year that restrict transgender athletes from competing with the gender they identify with. Currently, there are 18 states, including Florida and Texas, that have a state law that bans transgender students from participating in sports consenting with, or, uh, consistent with their gender identity. Only 37% of Democrats feel the same way about allowing transgender people to participate with the gender I, they identify with in sports. There's much more to that article as well as the uh, Pew Research uh, findings as well that you can check out by visiting either lgbtqnation.com or the Pew Research Center website. Alrighty then. It's not all bad news, but that seems to be what I'm going to be starting with here. But I think we should take a little bit of a music break just to give your ears a break from my mm, soapboxing, I suppose you could say right now. Anywho, we are going to hear from Heather Bishop uh, from her... uh, This appears on two different albums, including Old, Borrowed, and Blue. We are going to hear If You Love Freedom, which I hope you all do. If you love freedom, never let it go. That's something we need to remember this time of year as we are approaching the celebration of Independence Day here in the United States. Uh, you know, freedom, independence, all those wonderful things that we supposedly hold so dear in this country. Say supposedly because, well, I think you've got the idea with what I've been addressing today with the articles. And uh, moving up next, one from this past Wednesday, June 29th, Alex Bollinger writing for LGBTQNation.com. AOC calls for Senate to end filibuster and codify marriage equality as a federal right. Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez called for Congress to codify the rights to abortion, contraception, marriage equality, and interracial marriage as calls for Congress to thwart the conservative justices' attempts to roll back America's rights increase. Uh, Yes, thank you, SCOTUS. We have the possibility when we are strengthened by the repeal of the filibuster or even the change to a talking filibuster or a standing filibuster. In doing so, we can codify Roe. We can codify and all the other cases that the Supreme Court indicated that they would threaten. We can codify same-sex marriage. We can codify the right to contraception. We can codify interracial marriage, uh, she went on to say on the late show Tuesday night. Um, yeah, there is a real concern with the overturning of uh, Roe, a 50-year-old decision, which doesn't seem like a whole long time, but when you think about the uh, age of the nation, that's you know, almost a quarter of it there. Uh, fifth of it, something like that. Uh, the congresswoman from, the, from New York was discussing the Supreme Court's decision last week in Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization, which overturned Roe v. Wade and ended the federal rights uh, to abortion in the United States. Uh, Justice Clarence Thomas, in a concurring opinion, suggested that other rights built on the same legal principles as Roe, including marriage equality, the right not to be jailed for being gay, Yeah, you heard that right. And the right to access contraception are the next on the chopping block. And, well, SCOTUS seemed to have kind of furthered their their agenda there when they uh, 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 
ruled favorably for a uh, coach at a public school in Texas uh, who uh, was brought before the Supremes uh, uh, on a case involving prayer in school. Well, on the football field, but still. All right. Uh, so there's a whole lot of stuff going on here. I'm going to go a little bit more in depth with this article and quote from it. Uh, this is uh, uh, Nancy Pelosi that I'm quoting here. In his disturbing concurrence, Justice Clarence Thomas confirmed many of our deepest fears about where this decision may lead, taking aim at additional longstanding precedent and cherished privacy rights from access to contraception and in vitro fertilization to marriage equality. Uh, she wrote that in a, a Dear Colleague letter. Legislation is being introduced to further codify freedoms, which Americans currently enjoy. More information to follow, and we certainly hope that there will be more. The 2015 Obergefell v. Hodges decision required all 50 states to recognize marriage equality and to treat same-sex couples the same as opposite-sex couples when it comes to marital rights. Jim Obergefell, the lead plaintiff in that case, is speaking out for Congress to pass a law making marriage equality a federal right in case the Supreme Court overturns his historic victory for LGBTQ rights. Speaking with Newsweek, he's quoted as saying, I'm devastated for women for people who get pregnant, for all of us in our nation who have enjoyed and expect to enjoy the right to make decisions about our own bodies. That's a terrifying thing for the highest court in the land to take away. There is much, much more to this article as well as a link to uh, AOC's interview on The Late Show. Uh, so check that out if you haven't already. And I know not everybody has internet access. But uh, you can still, you know, kind of keep your finger on the pulse of what's going on here in America by checking with your, uh, you know, your local media sources, including KZUM's news broadcast every Saturday uh, with Amantha Dickman there. All righty. Well, there's still plenty more to go, plenty more to talk about in relation to all of this. Uh, an article from Thursday on LGBTQNation.com. And no, this is not my only source of information for you today. It's just how it all lined up. Uh, Daniel Villarreal writing uh, Thursday, June 30th. Democrats introduce transgender bill of rights to fight Republican anti-LGBTQ attacks. As Republican attacks on transgender people continue nationwide, five Democratic House representatives have introduced a transgender bill of rights that would protect trans and non-binary people. The bill would ban discrimination against gender identity and expression in public accommodations, employment, housing, and credit. The bill would also ensure access to gender-affirming medical care, including abortion and contraception, and would ban forced surgery on intersex children and infants. Intersex individuals are often subject to unnecessary genital surgeries before they can provide informed consent. The bill would ban so-called conversion therapy, the pseudoscientific form of mental torture that purports to turn trans and non-binary people cisgender, as well as purports to change lesbian, bisexual, and gay persons straight. The bill would also invest in community services to prevent anti-trans and anti-non-binary violence, as well as mental health services to assist survivors of violence and other community members. 
Last, the bill would require the U.S. Attorney General to designate a liaison within the Department of Justice's Civil Rights Division to enforce the civil rights of transgender persons. The bill was introduced by Democratic Representatives uh, Pramila Jayapal of Washington, David Cecilene of Rhode Island, Marie Newman of Illinois, Mark Takano of California, and Richie Torres of New York. Cecilene, Takano, and Torres are out as gay. Newman, who just lost her primary election to a moderate, has a transgender daughter, and Jayapal has a non-binary child. The bill has 83 co-sponsors. There's a lot that could be happening here. And again, there's much more to that article, way dense, a lot of information for you to absorb. And I hope that you do take the opportunity to learn about what's going on. You know, that's one of the things that I, uh, you could almost say preach about here on the show is for you to be informed for yourself. Reach out to your resources, tap your community, find out what is going on and how you can get involved. And speaking about how you can get involved, uh, there is a protest coming up tomorrow Yes, the 4th of July itself, starting at 10 a.m. at the Nebraska State Capitol building. The uh, protest is called My Body, My Choice. And uh, the Facebook event listing uh, reads that it is a protest, uh, uh, the Roe v. Wade overturn. Uh, They are asking people to join their fellow abortion rights supporters in Lincoln to send a message loud and clear. All people deserve access to the abortion care they need when they need it in the community they live in and trust. They are encouraging everyone to take the stand and speak. This is a time for you to have your voice heard. Guest speakers lined up starting at 10 a.m. include Lancaster County Democratic Party officials, LCDP Chair Hannah uh, Rabluski, Pardon me if I mispronounce that. Usually I do pretty good with those names. Andrea Evans from Lincoln's Women March. Lancaster County Commissioner Krista Yoakum. Sarah Jane Slatterly of Nebraska. And legislative candidate Robin Richards. Later on in at the event, uh, they have legal and policy counsel from the ACLU, Scout Richards. And uh, grassroots outreach director Gina Frank, uh, who will be speaking at 1 o'clock. Uh, if you can attend there are so many of us who have the day off tomorrow because it is a federal holiday and we are blessed enough I suppose you could say to work for companies or organizations that do give us those days off I can't promise that I will be there because I've got a whole host of other things to do but something you might want to think about thank you to uh, one of our listeners with the Order of the Red Grail for sharing that on uh, Facebook so that I could share that with all of our listeners. All righty. Well, there's not a whole lot of time left before the bottom of the hour. So let's go ahead and take our bottom of the hour break, come back with some music for you as well as some more conversation and commentary about what's going on in the world today as it affects the LGBTQIA SOGI 2S community. Alrighty, so I think I'm going to go to music first and then we'll have our bottom of the hour break. Here's what it is. 
And speaking of the Prairie Pride Film Festival, unfortunately, I did not get the opportunity to reach out to them to have somebody on the air to talk about things, but I'm going to talk about things for you. You can find out more about the Prairie Pride Film Festival by going to ppff.festive.com. That's F-E-I-T-I-V-E-E. Dot com, uh, Or, of course, you can check out Out Nebraska. They have uh, information and a link to the Festivy site for the PPFF. All righty. Well, PPFF has been going as long as Lavender Hill has, and yet the only connection is that I talk about the programming or they come on to talk about the programming. Just, you know, wonderful timing, I guess. Anywho, the uh, feature films for the Prairie Pride Film Festival this year, which starts on Thursday the t- the 10th, uh, includes uh, documentaries such as Mrs. Vera's Daybook and Barcelona, uh, dramas like Framing Agnes, Firebird, Forgotten Roads, and this one looks interesting, Kazi. Um, Kazi is the story of a young Pakistani refugee who is forced by economic and family circumstances to seek his fortune in Europe. As a rickshaw driver, he has limited skills but winds up in Germany driving tourists around town in a bicycle rickshaw and selling flowers to anyone. After his arrival in Germany, he applies for asylum but is rejected. Misfortune never comes singly and Kazi finds out that his mother is in need of a kidney operation. The family needs money, and Kazi, being in Europe, is expected to raise it, but he doesn't know how. All right, so, like I said, that one looks a little interesting there, and there's some uh, uh, short films as well, including uh, Fabian and uh, Cristiano. So, some wonderful things to check out there. Again, you can find out more about the Prairie Pride Film Festival by going to outnebraska.org, visiting the Facebook page for PPFF, or going to ppff.festivee.com. All righty. Well, let's get back into some of the news commentary and all that wonderful stuff for you here. Alabama. Alabama is trying to use SCOTUS's abortion ruling to ban gender-affirming health care. We knew stuff like that was happening and going to be happening. The Alabama Attorney General argued that gender-affirming treatments are not deeply rooted in the nation's history and tradition. Uh, According to an article by John Russell from Friday, July 1st, 2022, the state of Alabama has cited the Supreme Court's decision striking down Roe v. Wade in its efforts to deny gender-affirming health care to young people. In a brief filed earlier uh, in the week, the state's attorney general's office echoed language in Justice Samuel Alito's opinion ending the constitutional right to abortion in the United States. The Alabama AG argued that gender-affirming treatments are not, quote, deeply rooted in this nation's history and tradition. Uh, Shannon Minter, legal director of the National Center for Lesbian Rights, is quoted in the article as saying, It is no surprise that Alabama and other extremely conservative states are going to take up that invitation as forcefully as they can. Justice Thomas's concurrence was a declaration of war on groups already under attack, and we expect the hostility to be escalated. 
Alabama is asking the 11th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals to lift an injunction against the state's Vulnerable Child Compassion and Protection Act. Signed into law by Governor Kay Ivey this spring, the law makes it a felony to provide gender-affirming medication to people under 19. It was reportedly the first law of its kind to level criminal penalties at doctors who provide gender-affirming care. Doctors face up to 10 years in prison under the law, which was blocked by a federal judge in May. The state was also, well, excuse me, was already appealing the injunction, but its reference to the language used in Alito's opinion is notable, as it seems to confirm fears on the left about the erosion of other rights and liberties under the court's new conservative supermajority. Writing for the majority, Alito asserted that any right guaranteed under the 14th Amendment's Due Process Clause must, quote, be deeply rooted in this nation's history and tradition, end quote. There's a whole lot of things that that covers, uh, including marriage equality, um, consensual same-sex intimacy, citing uh, Lawrence v. Texas there when it comes to sodomy laws, Griswold v. Connecticut, which guaranteed the right to contraception, and let us not forget that another thing that falls under that is interracial marriage. Makes you wonder if Clarence Thomas is trying to get a divorce, right? Anywho... I'm going to leave that uh, poor attempted humor alone, and we're going to move on to some other stuff for you, related, of course. June 28th is the uh, date for this article by Emily Chudy on pinknews.co.uk. I told you LGBTQ Nation wasn't my only source today. The headline reads, Queer women and trans folk need abortion rights too. We're being left out of the conversation. Members of the LGBTQ plus community in the United States have spoken out about their own abortion experiences after Roe v. Wade was struck down. The, uh, we all know how all that happened there. But to reference the article, LGBTQ plus people have raised the point that trans men, queer women, and non-binary people sometimes also need abortions. And they do not want to be left out of the conversation. For example, Nikki, a 38-year-old queer woman from Colorado, said she told her religious family members about her experience with abortion after the Roe v. Wade ruling was announced. She is terrified that her rights as a queer woman will be eroded next. She told Pink News, I'm livid about the ruling. I'm mad that it happened. I'm furious at the Democrats for not getting it together quickly enough to use their majority to protect Roe federally. I'm exhausted on having my rights and freedoms dictated by a bunch of old white men and the occasional woman. I want to kind of link this to something local. There's uh, been a lot of talk, rightfully so, about the fairness ordinance for Lincoln, Nebraska, which was approved for the second time by the city council. And then there was a petition by conservatives uh, to make it so that it had to be something that the people of Lincoln voted on, which I don't necessarily see a problem with that. But there's been question from certain parts of the LGBTQIA 2S SOGI community as to why the Lincoln City Council chose not to push it forward onto the ballot this year. Part of that is 
a lack of funding when it comes to the supporters of the fairness ordinance because they are facing the extreme conservative backlash that is unfortunately very well funded thanks to our governor and his cronies to defeat such an ordinance and members of the trans and non-binary community reached out to the city council asking them to table it once again until they are able to either have a unanimous passing of it within the city council or the funds are there to promote the understanding of the ordinance if it is put as a ballot measure. Because we all know money talks when it comes to politics. And unfortunately for the LGBTQIA2S SOGI community in Nebraska, not just in Lincoln, but in Nebraska, where the money is, is with the conservatives that don't want us to have our rights. Okay. Um, you can listen to yesterday's KZUM News broadcast. There was a segment on that particular issue. Uh, you can read articles in the Lincoln Journal Star, the Omaha World Herald. I'm sure several other newspapers in Nebraska have at least some mention of it. You can check the uh, websites for your local news affiliates in Nebraska to find out a little bit more about what's going on. You might even be able to go to outnebraska.org and find out more about what's going on. And in light of the recent special election to replace Fortenberry, that uh, Mr. Flood won that special election. However, his opponent, who is a big supporter of the LGBTQIA2S SOGI community in Lincoln and surrounding areas, uh, Patty Panzing Brooks, did garner enough of the vote to prove that she has the means and the ability to win in November for the general election. So, regardless of how you're going to vote come November, Got to put that caveat in there because I do firmly believe that you have the right to vote as your heart and mind tell you. Regardless of how you're going to vote in November, vote. If you're not registered yet, register. There's plenty of time. Get yourself familiar with the issues. Get yourself familiar with the candidates. There's not a whole lot that a single vote can do. But if enough individuals band together and vote for the rights, then it can happen. All righty. Well, I'm going to step down off of that soapbox for just a little bit here. Who knows if I'm going to get back on it? I'm not sure myself at the moment. But uh, let's see here. What else do we have for you? Uh, well, that's Cross the Pond and that's entertainment. So we'll, we'll kind of wait for all that together. And we'll take a music break. How's that sound? I know I could use one. Could use a little more caffeine too. Woohoo! All righty. So we're going to hear from Wham. Yeah, I know. We started out with some George Michael and he's with Wham. But we're going to keep going with that. Freedom. Going to Reuters. Haven't done that for a long time here. Uh, thousands unite in Polish-Ukrainian LGBT plus parades in Warsaw. It's an article by uh, Kuba Stazicki and Joanna Plusinska. I hope I got those both right. Uh, Dateline June 25th, Warsaw. 
Thousands of Poles and Ukrainians walked for peace and demanded and ended discrimination against the LGBT plus community on Saturday last week in a joint pride march in Warsaw that organizers say aimed to defend freedom and equality as war casts a shadow over Eastern Europe. The annual pride march in the Ukrainian capital of Kiev was canceled due to Russia's invasion, leading the LGBT plus community in Warsaw to team up with their counterparts in Ukraine to organize the event in the Polish capital. Russia denied us the right that we were fighting for for years. Russia denied us the pride. Our march of equality that we are holding every year since 2012 in Kiev. That is why we are marching, or marched, uh, to paraphrase, in Warsaw. According to Lenny Emson, executive director of Kiev Pride, uh, who came to Poland for the march. Uh, conservative attitudes towards sexual orientation are widespread in both countries. Poland's ruling nationalists have made battling what they call LGBTQ ideology a key plank of election campaigns, while in Ukraine, far-right groups regularly target LGBT plus campaigns and events before the war. Yeah, maybe they'll continue afterwards, unfortunately. All right, you can go to Reuters to read that whole article. I am going to be sharing that link as soon as I possibly can on our Facebook page for Lavender Hill. Now, it's not all bad. It's not all, you know, frightening stuff. There's some good stuff going on. And this is from entertainment. Uh, She-Ra and the Princesses of Power Creator comes out as transgender. His name is Nate. Uh, I've chosen a male name and male pronouns because this is how I want to interact with the world that demands we choose one of two. But I am not one of two. According to an article by Greg Owen from Friday, July 1st. On the final day of Pride Month 2022, the She-Ra creator, Indy Stevenson, went public with a new gender identity. Hello, I have something to tell you. My name is Nate, and my pronouns are he, him, but I am not entirely a boy. According to uh, their Twitter feed, the prolific comics creator is now formerly Nate Diana Stevenson. He'll continue to call himself Indy professionally. Uh, the artist and writer-producer, best known for She-Ra and the Princesses of Power, Nimona, and Lumberjanes, began his public transition in 2020 when he revealed he was non-binary, or something like it, to quote him. That same year, he underwent top surgery, which was like taking off ankle weights you didn't know were there. In the new comic, Stevenson explains, I've chosen a male name and, a, and male pronouns because this is how I want to interact with the world that demands we choose one of two, but I am not one of two. I am keeping my middle name, Diana. It is my way of paying tribute to this other side of me. I may keep it hidden and close to my heart, but I am not ashamed of it. It is mine and no one else's. You can read that entire article on uh, lgbtqnation.com. I'll be sharing the link to that as well on our Facebook page. All right. Well, real quick before I hit play on the last piece, a gay Spider-Man is about to enter Marvel's Spider-Verse. Ooh, that could be interesting. Uh, so you'll have to check that out as well. I'm going to share that link on the Facebook page. But I want to get into the music, and it's a little bit of a long song here by Summer Osborne. This is your call. And it is truly your call. All righty. So stay tuned for the women's show and all the wonderful stuff she's got lined up for that. She's going to have several guests today.
So keep on listening to KZUM.